Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Amen. How many believe Jesus is holy and love him? We love you, Jesus. He's here in the house. He's here in the house. As you get seated, say to someone next to you, he's in the house. He's in the house. Jesus is in the house this morning. I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter, chapter 5. We welcome you online. We are preaching through the Sermon on the Mount. People say it's one of the greatest sermons that Jesus ever preached. Well, anything Jesus says is great, but it is a message that he gave to all of us, and he wanted to kind of adjust our thinking of how we thought about the Ten Commandments. So we've been making our way through the Sermon on the Mount. Last week, the message was on, if you hate in your heart, then you have committed murder. You see, the religious people thought, well, I never murdered anybody, so therefore I'm all right and I'm in good standing with you, God. But Jesus got a little bit deeper and he said, you're you're misunderstanding the Ten Commandments. First of all, you can't keep it. You might as well just cry. When we were younger, we cried what? Uncle. When someone had you pinned down, we cried uncle. Just cry uncle, God, I can't do it. But the religious leaders kept insisting, I've done it. I can do it. This is the standard. And yet, God was saying, no. I see in your hearts, you have hated. And because you hate, you're as guilty as the murder. Now, don't take that too far. Because if you say, well, you know, well, since I hate and I'm guilty, I might as well go ahead and murder my husband or my spouse. He's not saying that. But today, we're on a a different subject that's going to impact all of us. We'll just pick up in Matthew chapter 5, in verse 27. Another correction, another adjustment in their thinking and in our thinking. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone that looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Let us pray. Father, when I think about you being right here now, you told us, you said, the Father's in me and I am in him and I am in you. And we just sang, holy, holy, holy. And when I think about you being right here next to us, in the awesome presence of the most intellectual person, the most powerful person, you're everywhere, and yet you're holy without sin. It is very humbling to our minds 
in our hearts. Only because you said so, those who believe in you, you call us your friend. Can we feel very comfortable in your presence? Thank you, Jesus, for taking our shame on the cross and dying for our sins. Help us really understand what you're telling us this morning so we can adjust our thinking, confess our sins, and enjoy what you have in store for us now and forever. For Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, the proper perspective of adultery. That's what we want to talk about this morning. The proper perspective of adultery. You see, the standard that Jesus laid out in the Sermon on the Mount, it was pointing out to every human being that it is utterly impossible to keep the Ten Commandments. And he wanted to correct and adjust the thinking of the Ten Commandments. You cannot keep the Ten Commandments. So does that mean you just throw them out the window? You cannot keep them. And so the religious leaders thought they could. And therefore, they did not see their need for Jesus because they had the standard. And then he wants to help us who say to ourselves, well, we've never done, we've never murdered anybody, and we've never committed adultery. He needed to adjust our thinking. In fact, he said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, who in this room would raise their hand and say, I'm perfect, so therefore I deserve heaven? I want to tell you this morning that all of us in this room, all of us are guilty of breaking this commandment. I want to go to an old little clip of a famous movie star, Kirk Cameron, who teamed up with a guy named Ray Comfort. And, and they would witness to people. And it's only a, a minute and a half, two-minute clip that kind of leads us into this morning's message. How many lies do you think you've told in your whole life? A million. All right. What do you call someone who tells lies? A liar. <laughs> Have you ever stolen anything? I suppose so, yes. Okay. And so what does that make someone who steals something? A thief. Have you ever taken God's name in vain? Yes. Okay, do you know what that's called? Um, I was going to say blasphemy, yes. but yes. Blasphemy. That's taking the name of the one who gave us our life and everything precious to us and used his name as a substitute for a four-letter filth word to express disgust. Here's the last one. Jesus said, whoever looks upon a woman to lust after her has committed adultery already with her in his heart. So God draws the line at the heart level. Have you ever looked with lust? In your whole life? Yes. Okay, so Star, by your own admission, <laughs> you're a lying thief and a blasphemous adulterer at heart, and that's only four of the Ten Commandments. That's how God sees you. So if God were to judge you by the Ten Commandments, do you think you'd be innocent or guilty? <sighs> guilty. <laughs> guilty. That's good. You're being honest. Stay that way for the next question. If God gave you justice from His place of holy, perfect righteousness, and treated you according to your sins, would you spend eternity in heaven or hell? In heaven. In heaven? Why? Because 
I'm, think about this. Because as an adult, I think I make the right. I try to make the right choices, and so I don't steal now. I don't take the Lord's name in vain now. I do my best not to look at things in a lustful way or people. I don't. Um, I try not to lie. I try. So to you're saying you've learned from your mistakes? Yeah, I do my best. So if a man rapes and murders a woman and stands before a judge and says, "Judge, I don't do any of that anymore, and I do my best." Should the judge let him go? No. <laughs> okay, so you see the little dilemma you put yourself in. Yes, I do. Consider well, the, the reason I wanted to show that clip is because everyone in this room and everyone looking in online, we all stand guilty before our God. And God wants to speak to us. He wants to help us. He wants to save you or he wants you to repent. This is a pretty impossible standard to live by. We all know that. But I want to say this to the believers this morning. There's a lot in this message, and I'll get to that in a moment. But you and me welcome this kind of news. We're not going, oh, my goodness, don't hate, don't lust. We're, the believer, the true believer looks at these passages with excitement and say, okay, bring it on, God. I want you to adjust my thinking. I want to repent. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. I rejoiced all week long as I prepared this message that God is correcting my thinking and your thinking. And he's asking you and me to adjust our ways. So, believer, I, I believe this morning that you're saying, okay, I, I, I enjoy this. Because a lot of people come to church and say, I come to church and I, I come because I want you to make me happy. Sometimes God gives instructions, corrections, and sometimes he gently chastises us. We, as believers, love instructions. We, as believers, love God giving us direction. And we as believers love correction from God. And all the believers said, Amen. Amen. Okay? So I see you still smiling. Here's one of the reasons why we love it. In Deuteronomy 5, 29, God said, Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commandments always so that it might go well with them and their children. It's one of the reasons why we open up our ears and give our attention to his word so that things will go well with us and then our children also. But this message also brings us to our knees. So all week long as I studied this passage, I reflected in my life as this young lady did. She reflected in her past, whether it's in your past or your present. At some point, there needs to be repentance that you and me broke God's laws. Matthew 5.20 tells us, For that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you certainly will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, they were focused on the external parts of the law. Okay, I've never murdered anyone. 
Okay, I've never committed adultery. And so you're sitting here this morning and can say, well, I can excuse myself from this message this morning mentally. I can check out because I've never committed adultery or I've never murdered anybody. But what is righteousness? Is it keeping the external parts of the law and checking the box? Happy is the believer whose heart is like the message Jesus taught on that mountain. What is the message? Guard your hearts against anger, against hate, against adultery, against divorce. I hate divorce. But let me say something to you this morning as we get rolling into the message. God's grace. I want to remind you of God's grace and forgiveness in this area so that you open up your hearts and minds and know there's hope or you have already experienced that hope. Whether it's a painful part of your past or you're struggling right now in this particular area, and I'm going to point out that most of us are, I want you to know, God wants you to know, Jesus wants you to know right from the get-go that God's grace and God's forgiveness is here for you if you will open your heart and you will listen to him this morning and I will listen to him. I listen to him all this week. He usually speaks to me before I speak to you. And I think you like those kind of pastors, not the ones that think, you know, they're Teflon and nothing bothers them or they've never done anything like that. He speaks to me and then I speak to you. He's speaking to all of us this morning and you looking in online this morning. He wants you to know about his grace. God loves you or wants to love you. He is bigger than your sins and he's able to redeem the hurt and pain even of adultery and divorce. Did you hear that? I'm going to say that one more time. God loves you. He is bigger than your sins. And he is able to redeem the hurt and the pain, even of adultery and divorce. But we still must teach what he gave to you and me. He doesn't want to ruin your love life. God wants to bless your love life. You see, sexuality is a good gift from God. And according to God's word, though, the only proper context for sexual activity, listen, young people, Listen, older people, middle-aged people. The only proper context for sexual activity is within the marriage covenant between a man and a woman. This has been quoted often by many preachers. Sex within marriage is like the fire in the fireplace. Keep it in the fireplace. It keeps the home safe and warm. Let it out of the fireplace, it causes untold damage to everyone in its path. Now, I'll put a disclaimer this morning on this, and my only little bit of humor, because it is a very serious message. I like what one preacher said. If you knew what God knew about me, you wouldn't let me up here in the pulpit. But if I knew what God knew about you, I wouldn't let you in the church door. So this message... Is for everyone. Now let's look at the commandment, number one, the commandment. What does the Old Testament say? 
Remember, these commandments are here to help us. In Leviticus 20.10, it says, If a man commits adultery, now we're, we're looking at the definition, with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress must be put to death. Is God serious about adultery? Yes. Is our country serious about adultery? No. Now, according to the Old Testament, adultery is technically any sexual activity that violates the marriage covenant, whether the wife commits adultery against the husband or the husband commits adultery against the wife. What was the consequence? Death. Hallelujah, we live in the New Testament. This church might be a few people left. You're going to find out in a moment about that fact. Now, Leviticus 20.10 tells us again, if any man commits adultery with another man's wife, this is the concept that all believers in Yahweh had. If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress must be put to death. By the way, if you've never had a chance, go to Leviticus 18. Leviticus 18 spells out every kind of sex a man or woman could possibly have, even animals. God talked about it ahead of time and told us and advised us what to do with this awesome gift he gave us. But like everything God gave us, man has a tendency to foul it up. But there, but there is one part that seems to be left out in in having sex in Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20. I mean, it gives a long laundry list. Don't have sex with your aunt. Don't have sex with your sister. Don't have sex with your uncle. It's just a long laundry list. So the believers in the Old Testament thought, okay, I've not had any sex that way. But it doesn't mention a man or a woman having sex. That means none none of that laundry list is in their minds. They're thinking... There's a woman, there's a man, we can have sex. It's not another man's wife. It's not another woman's, you know, wife to a husband. It, 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 I mean, they're not married. So can we, all right, we can have sex outside of marriage. Let's go to the New Testament. We just read this morning, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But Jesus defines it a little bit further. So you're thinking, you're going, okay, whew. I haven't done it. Hallelujah, I'm free. That's what most people think. And you give a sigh of relief. But then what does Jesus say in verse 28? Verse 28, Jesus tells us, if a man looks with lust in his heart, he's already committed adultery. Now, the definition of lust is generally defined as a strong desire for something or someone and is often used specifically regarding sexual desire. Lust is focused on pleasing oneself, often without regard for detrimental consequences. Remember now, you can lust after a lot of things besides sex, money, power, and Someone else's spouse or some other girl or guy. Remember, 
Just as hate is the seed of murder, that's why Jesus said, if you hate, you have murdered someone, then also adultery or lust is the seed of adultery. Mission control, we have a problem. Men, women, teenagers, and children. Let's look at the second point this morning, the complication or the problem. KITV in Texas said, as I was looking up the stats, 95% of Americans have had premarital sex. And those who have abstained from sex by the time they hit 44, four-fifths of those have premarital sex. We're not even talking about lust. Lust blows these numbers out of the water. Now, you might say to me, okay, the world has a problem with this. I don't. You know what I'm going to call you? A liar. Because I'm going to prove it to you. Both men, both women, youth, and children. It's a serious problem. And if we don't get a handle on it, we're never going to see the glory of God in this church. We're not going to see people repent of their sins. We're not going to be able to see our children get saved until we as a church come to grips with the problem that we have. Let me give you some stats before I get to some of the help and cures. Let's look at men first. The statistics for Christian men between 18 and 30 years old are pretty striking. Now, this is Christians. Forget the world. Throw the world's statistics out the window. This is Christian men. 77% of Christian men look at pornography at least monthly. 36% view pornography on a daily basis. 32% admit being addicted to pornography. And 12% think they may be. Now, ages 31 to 49, 77% look at pornography while at work in the past three months. 64% view pornography at least monthly. 18% admit being addicted to pornography and another 8% think they might be. And even married men fall into this category. 55% look at pornography at least monthly and 35% have had extramarital affairs. These statistics will knock the wind right out of you. They also confirm what we already know that there is definitely a problem with pornography. Now, when you think about pornography, I want you to think about lust. Because they're not actually committing the act. We're talking about those people. We're talking about people that lust. It's disturbing for the church. Here's what Joel Hesh of Proven Men's Ministry said. Again, these statistics will knock the wind right out of you. They also confirm what we already know that there is definitely a problem with pornography and affairs among Christian men and that they are starving for the church to step forward with solutions. They also show that these numbers 
are increasing at an alarming rate. He also adds, it's abundantly clear that pornography is one of the biggest unaddressed problems in the church. You see, a lot of churches, again, when you come there, they want to make you happy. Well, guess what? When we started the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, if you will listen to me and you will embrace these things I'm teaching you, you will be happy. Blessed, happy are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You've heard it said, Jesus said often. You heard it said, but I'm telling you. You notice I get a little calmer on this. This is the practice I had with my children. If daddy was dealing with a tough issue, I didn't scream and yell and make fun. We talked quietly, and we spoke about the truth very reverently. I speak because I know I look in the mirror, and you have to look in the mirror, and we want to speak very reverently about something that is really devastating the church. You may keep these externally, these laws. I have not committed adultery. But what about internally? So this is a way of life for the believer. If they'll listen to the Sermon on the Mount. But it's a knife to the religious person who thinks, I'm all right. I'm cool. I have not committed adultery. I have not murdered anyone. But here's what Jesus said in Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. You see, lust begins in the heart, then the mind, and then an action. Many of us would say, oh, God, we live in a generation that it's everywhere we go. It's, at, it's on television. It's at sporting events. It's on our cell phones. It's on our computers. It's at work. And so we kind of blame what we see in our minds. But God teaches us something differently. Jeremiah 17 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and beyond cure, who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. Someone might ignorantly say, well, if, I'm lust, if I've lusted and I'm, I'm just as guilty as the adulteress, then, then I might as well go commit adultery. Well, it sounds kind of stupid, doesn't it? What about the guy who says, well, I hate someone, and since I've hated him and I'm just as guilty as being a murderer, I might as well go ahead and kill the person. See how silly and stupid that sounds? There is a different consequence. Nassau, we have a problem. Men have a problem. Now about the women. No, I'm not going to get louder. I was accused of that before. I, it, it's, it's just the statistics. I know some of the guys are going, okay, yeah, it's not just about us, it's about the women too. Eighty-seven <laughs> percent of Christian women have watched pornography. Romances, movies, soft porn, 
Don't just think of the blatant, ugly-looking pornography. Only 13% of self-identified Christian women said they've never watched porn. According, according to Daily Mail, 50% watch porn on a regular basis. Here's a startling stat. 80% women watch porn on their mobile devices compared to just 69% of men. Is this just a man problem? While men might be thinking about sex, a woman might be thinking, I wonder, what it'd be li- I wonder what it would be like to have such a body. You see, men want the body, and women want the body. They want the body that attracts everyone. Lust can be either a strong feeling of sexual desire or a strong desire for something. I don't want to spend a lot of time in this, but there is a book called Untrue by Dr. Wednesday Martin. Martin, a journalist with a Yale PhD in cultural anthropology, has just published Untrue, which delves into women's sexual drives and strategies and tells us why nearly everything we believe about women and lust and infidelity is untrue. In other words, men get all the blame. I always wondered if men were guilty of committing adultery, who were they having adultery with? She challenges these traditional assumptions that women are just in it for emotional reasons. But she shares the research of anthropologists, primatologists, psychologists, sexologists, and she's interviewed 30-plus experts for the book Untrue. I don't want to go into any of those things, but I do want to leave you with one more thought about ladies. She brings it out in her book. She wants to bring her attention to something new that we're facing today, especially with millennials, both with men, women, husbands, and wives. It says, statistically, women are equally as likely as men to have secret affairs. But among millennials particularly, there is a growing trend to explore beyond the traditional diadec bond. Internet searches for polyamory. What is polyamory? The practice of engaging in multiple romantic relationships with the content of all the people involved, excuse me, with the consent of all the people involved. She said in her book, this has gone through the roof as searches for swingers have dropped off. So amongst the millennials, they're not meaning all at one time. They're talking about different, they just call it different things. It's still sin. Polyamory. They get the consent of the husband or the wife, the consent with other couples. That doesn't mean they're having sex at the same time. It just means it's consensual. So therefore, it's better. It's all right. It's on the rise. Okay. Men... And women both have a problem. We're talking about Christian men and Christian women. What about youth? College-age youth. 72% of Christian young adults between the ages of 18 and 24 actively seek out pornography on the Internet. 
most of those said they had sex before, those that said they had sex before 13, and by the way, this is very important for parents, they had it with a friend. And I remember when we raised our kids and, and they wanted to go over someone's house, I would always ask, what does the household look like? What's the marriage situation? What's the relationship? Now, it's not so that we can look down our nose. Believers don't look down their nose because we remember we were once one of them, correct? But we don't want to expose our children to things and say it's all right, it's okay. So you need to be very careful of who they hang out with because if that household doesn't have the same values that you have, you might be exposing your child to a friend that think it's okay to touch, to look. Children. Children under 10 are increasingly visiting porn mega sites such as Pornhub. This age group accounted for one in every 10 visitors and 22% of underage visitors to the site. 10% of the 12 to 13 year olds believe they may be addicted to pornography. Okay, I didn't spend a lot of time there. Very quiet. We have a problem in the churches. Would you agree with that? What's the consequence of this kind of activity? Well, in this life, there's broken homes, destruction in the family, and divorce. Also in the life to come, like the young lady was being taught, in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, God reminds us, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. One more passage so that we nail this home. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 reminds us that the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, adultery, witchcraft, hatred, discord, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, and drunkenness, and orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So if you're here this morning, you want to go to heaven. This young lady, I think she wanted to go to heaven. This young lady thought she was going to heaven. All the religious people thought they were going to heaven. Many people sit in the church and think they're going to heaven. Billy Graham said the greatest harvest field is in the church. They think they're going to heaven. While their lifestyle says everything else but that. What's the cure? What's the cure? The first thing is salvation. 
as I said in the beginning, it's wonderful news. When people began to preach to me when I was lost, like you, I did everything under the sun that was wrong. Don't leave. I'm ready for the cure. Oh, you guys coming up. Okay. I thought they were leaving. (laughs) They're going in the back, getting ready to sing. Okay. The good parts right now, the good parts here. This is the good. Okay. So like, like those who deal in um, recovery, I know we have, uh, where is, I saw him somewhere. There he is there, S-E-T-P-S. By the way, next year I'd like to, to start something, and I'll mention it in a moment. But in order to experience recovery, you have to understand that you have a problem. Mission, we have a problem. You're living a sinful lifestyle that's going to cause you to be out of the presence of God forever and ever and ever and ever. And I still remember the time when I almost died on drugs. I was all balled up in a fetus position on the floorboard of the car. I'd done everything wrong under the sun, kicked out of Catholic schools, public schools. Basically, I was kicked out of the army. I was a nobody, a zero. And when I was, felt like I was dead, I wasn't a drug addict, but I did all the drugs but heroin. Never wanted a needle to go in me. And uh, I just knew I was going to hell. I begged God. I didn't even know who he was. I just heard about him as a Catholic. I was raised, and I knew there was a God somewhere up there. And I said, like many of us, it was kind of like jailhouse religion. I call it like drug religion or deathbed religion. Can someone up there help me? I'm dying. My buddies could care less what, was I, what, what I was going through. I was basically ODing. Out of that situation, and people in Texas started telling me about Jesus. Hallelujah for Texans. <laughs> Knocked on doors, and they told me about Jesus. I wonder if I went to New York if they'd tell me about Jesus. I wonder if I went to California, hey, if they'd be telling me about Jesus. But in the state of Texas, people started telling me about Jesus. Who is he? He loves you just like you are. You kid, nobody's ever liked me the way I am. Nobody. In fact, when I look in the mirror, I think I'm ugly. You mean he loves me? Oh, I fell on my knees. I cried out to him and said, God, I surrender. And all that ugliness left me. All this sin left me. I put my faith in Jesus. God said, if you look to the cross, you see, what you deserve, my son decided he would take your punishment, and he he went to the cross, and all the sins you've ever committed were thrown under his body. He was nailed to that tree. He was beaten to a pulp. His blood was shed. If you look to him, if you believe in him, I'll free you of all that ugliness and of your fear of death and go into hell. He said, if you'll do that, I'll save you. And man, when I did that, I, I surrendered. Listen, I didn't come to church the next day and oh, my life radically changed and he'll do the same for you this morning. You're caught up in all kinds of sin, but especially this sin. Listen, the world is engaging in this full time. They don't even, they don't even have a thought. I remember that away. I remember living on the beach in, in um, commercial, the last street in the beach. And 
I remember doing roofing work after I got out of the army. And when I'd come home, I'd light me up a joint and I'd walk the beach. And there were all the girls and they'd come to my house. I thought nothing of it at all. Zero. Then they don't realize they're living in hell now. If they died right then, they will be in hell. You don't even think about it. But you're a believer this morning. God delivered you and me from that. It's good for a little bit of adjustment and tweaking. It's good for a little bit of correction this morning for all of us that will adjust our thinking, will change the channels. But you must accept Jesus Christ first. Otherwise, you will have zero power to overcome the enemy. I remember trying to turn over a new leaf every New Year's. I'm going to quit doing this. I'm going to quit cussing. I'm going to quit doing this. I never accomplished anything more than a week. But when I got saved, my cussing left me immediately. My womanizing left me. My lying left me immediately. I didn't see any light. I didn't feel anything. But all of a sudden, I just I started talking about Jesus. Who, like he's my best friend. I opened up the King James Bible. I, I only read comic books for 10 years between 16 and 24, 25, 26. I had to take math back in school because I finished ninth grade. Wow, it is real. So I believe the story that's 2,000 years old, not because Peter said it's true, because I know and you know it's true. He changed your life. Now, so if you've never believed in Jesus Christ and you're looking online this morning, just do what I did. It's not the exact word that comes out of your mouth. Just surrender. Cry, uncle. I'm guilty, God. He already knows you're guilty. Just look in the mirror and agree. I'm guilty. And put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. It's not a feeling, though. Feelings may come. They may not. Just trust him. Now, you're here. You're a Christian this morning. What's in this for you? It affects many, many believers. The Bible says, present your bodies in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I know this. Therefore, I beseech you. Well, this is in the King James, so I'll read in the translation she has on the screen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, your eyeballs, your heart, your mind, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So in other words, God's saying, okay, present your bodies not to the men, not to the woman, not to the world, not to fashion. Present your bodies to me. It is a vehicle that I want to use to bring attention to me. Begin by asking God in Psalms 51.10, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. See, it all begins in the heart. You and me cannot blame the, the times that we're living in and saying it's everywhere. It begins in the heart. Until you and me take ownership that it's in the heart, we'll never be healed. You see, God looks into the heart. 
The reason why I want to do this is because 2 Chronicles 16, 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord's reign throughout the earth to strengthen those hearts who are fully committed to him. And I want to give you, finally in ending, some tools, believers. One is covenant eyes. I found this about 14, 15 years ago when my daughter was going to college. By the way, my journey began when I got saved. I realized I couldn't watch the things, that, the things I was watching. And I still remember being just newly married to my wife, and I had a TV in my bedroom. And I watched an old show, Girls Gone Wild. And I'm looking at that at 12, 1 o'clock in the morning go, I cannot have a relationship and watch Girls Gone Wild. I can't do that. I took the TV off the wall. I've never had a TV in my bedroom since. And for over 30 years, until just recently, my wife has had the password to my TV. I'm an adult. Can I watch what I want? Yeah, I can. I don't trust myself. And she has the lock to it. On my computer here, I have covenant eyes. That means I can't go anywhere on my computer, nowhere, that my accountability partner doesn't see. Why? I don't trust myself. Here I am a pastor. I'm being honest with you. And I know I'm speaking to most believers. So I, t I love when God gives me a tool that I can defeat the enemy. Hallelujah. Because I hate when I get knocked down, but I want to get right back up. And Okay, we're going to do it this time, Jesus. Honestly, that's the attitude believers have. Amen? We're going to win the battle. And most of the time, we do win the battle. So he's giving you a tool. And by the way, I have it on my phone too. Parents, can't believe you give your kids a cell phone with no protection at all. If we can't handle as an adult, how in the world can you... Can a, you expect 11, 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old to have something with no blocks? You remember when moms and dads used to monitor your television watching and your movie going? Now, I'm not a legalist. You can go to movies or you can watch movies, but be careful what you see. Covenant Eyes has been a lifesaver. Every time I talk to someone on the phone and something fouls up, I get on the phone and say, thank you for your service. Thank you. You're helping people all over the world, and you're helping preachers. Because of covenant eyes, I can roam the Internet and not be worried that something's going to pop up. Well, they do pop up, but I'm not going to hit on it most of the time. I, I'm just saying that because as human beings, we've all failed God. He gives you the power, so please, please take advantage. Locks on my phones. So I have accountability, locks on my TV, locks on my computer, locks on my phone. Here I'm an adult. I can't handle all those, those apps they have on there because my desire is I, I want to please him. I hope that's your desire too. If it is your desire, repent of your sin. You're never going to experience the glory of God, the favor of God. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You're pure because he announced you holy. He, he, he said, I declare you holy, but he's still in the process of sanctifying you and me. Do you understand that? 
He's in the process of making you and me like his son, Jesus. We're not there yet. There's no one in this church can say, I've arrived. I don't have any problem. So understand this. Be comfortable with this. He's in the process. It's called sanctification of making you more like his son. So take advantage of the tools and the equipment that God's given you to be a fruitful believer in Jesus Christ. But you must repent. And then a couple books and we're finished. Two books, Every Man's Battle and Every Woman's Battle. And then next year I want to start those are two books you can go to that will help you get a handle on this, as well as next year. I'd like, we already did it one time in one of our men's retreats. We want to do the Conquer series. Now, if I said Monday I, we're going to start a Conquer series with anybody that's had a problem with lust or pornography, you know how many people would show up? Nobody. You have... I, I want to let you know something. All of you know I'm passionate about Jesus. All you, you know that my children love Jesus. But I believe in being real up here. That we can struggle with things and be victorious. But I need men around me that will strengthen me. You need men and women around you that will strengthen you to win this battle. This Conquer series will help you overcome it. You have to be humble before God and say, I, I, the, I have a struggle, I have a problem, and I want to be victorious. So probably in January, we're going to start. We're going to have to talk to Casey and see if we can't get someone else to start this group that will help set people free. This Conquer series has been used all over the church world to help set people free. Well, this morning, I believe God is honored. We talked, listen, this is the last thing I wanted to preach on. In fact, usually when I preach on something, the enemy is going to hound me. I'll give you an example. I told my wife about it. My phone is always locked up. And I'm, I know when, when I preach on this area, I have to be very careful that the enemy doesn't come after me. So I told you all my things are locked up, right? Well, my secretary has the lock to my phone. Here, I feel like, oh, duh. But, but, but I, I, I'm, I'm, listen, I don't have a problem telling you. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a saint that has sinned. You may be a sinner that's not a saint, but I'm a saint that has sinned. You, you understand what I'm saying? Amen? She has a lock. So I said, hey, I need to download this app called Uber Eats because I wanted to make sure someone got some food in our church. Someone in our church just had a baby and someone else just had surgery. And, you know, I buy some things, but I can't afford to buy everything. So I get home, my wife's out of town. You know, men, when wives are out of town, or wives when your husband's out of town, now the devil starts working on your mind. I get home and I realize my phone. My wife's out of town for three or four days. I got my phone, and the enemy's going to my head. Oh, let's have a good time this weekend. Oh, come on, guys. No, don't act like you're innocent. I immediately panicked, called up my secretary, are you still there? Yes, I'll be there in five minutes. I ran the church and made sure she locked back up my phone again. Now, please, guys, don't think I'm some kind of pervert or something like that. I'm just being honest, telling you that we all struggle with things. Amen, guys? Wait, only one guy has it? Amen. But I, I, I am so glad to preach this message because God preached to me before he preached to you. But if we're going to expect revival, 
see our children come to Christ, see our spouses come to Christ, to see marriages reconciled. We are going to have, the church is going to have to be serious with this issue. So please don't let this this be a sermon on Sunday morning. Go home, make some differences, repent of your sins. Would you stand at this time, please? If you're looking in online and you want some help in this area, please be bold. Say, I need help. If you're here, write down on one of those cards in front of you. Let me know it's a prayer request. I'll pray with you. You need accountability. Find some accountability partners. Tell me you need accountability. We'll help you. Ladies, the same thing. You already heard this is not just a man problem, but I can't speak for the ladies right now. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you have absolutely zero power to overcome this. Today's the day to say, I'm going to surrender and give my life to Jesus Christ. If you've done that, we'd like to hear from you online. If you'll make a note in the tag section, send it to us. We'll get some material to you. If you're here today and you've accepted Christ or you want to accept Christ, we'd love to know because the next step is getting baptized. Today's the day to do it. So, Father, I pray if there's someone looking in online or here this morning, that doesn't know you as Savior, that convicting power that convicted everyone in this room that knows you and convicted me of sin, would you do that for their sake, for eternity's sake, and for the believers, the saints that love you? Remind them you're just doing some house cleaning, that you want to make them like your son, to not be ashamed of admitting, God, I'm wrong. Forgive me of my sin. Give me a new heart. Create in me a new heart, Jesus. Today, create in me a new heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.